to another episode of the Houdat Jedi Podcast. We are the Houdat Jedi Council. I'm Aaron, and with me as always is Dave and Fredo. How's it going, guys? It's going pretty good. Yep, going well. It's episode 116. Um, and by the way, I'm not trying to do my best Barry White impression. I'm a little under the weather. Um, but like my percussion Order professor one. said in college, um, if you're half dead, you're half alive, get to work. So here I am. Um, but I'm not going to get enough of your love, baby. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to drink any whiskey cause I'll, you'll hear a clunk in the middle of this podcast and then Aaron won't be on it anymore. So, um, but anyway, here we are. Um, yeah, Dave's, Dave's, Dave's got something that looks yummy. I don't know if Fredo's got anything. Uh, not really, not really. So, okay. So a couple of, uh, interesting little tidbits. We haven't talked about Saints football for a long time, but, um, you know, LSU fans have to be over the moon right now because we signed Taran Matthew. Um, mm-hmm. and it seems like the draft went well, you know, with me, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, my sister, I think wanted to throw something at me from Texas because, you know, and she's a big Saints fan, but, um, she's all excited about who we drafted and that we're getting Taran Matthew. I'm like, it's like, it's, it's kind of like whenever my college teams, like we got a five-star recruit. It's like, I don't care until they're in a uniform catching or throwing a ball or making the appropriate blocks, then I'll get excited. But I don't know. That being said, are, were you guys pleasantly surprised by? I was, I mean, or do you uh, not give a crap about the draft? Because there's that too. <laughs> Actually, actually, that's one of the funny things I remember, and I don't think I've mentioned, may have mentioned it in previous podcasts, that, uh, you know, I used to work for a couple of really big Saints fans, and every year one of them would throw a big old barbecue for the draft. This was back when it was Saturday, Sunday. That sounds it's a Saturday. Yeah. You just go in and just, <laughs> it's an excuse to just eat meat, drink beer, and talk football, which, given the fact that it's the draft and not a game, in other words, yeah. There's no way to be proven right or wrong. It's the best kind of talk you can have. Uh, I was, I was, I mean, I'm glad who we ended up with. I'm glad, you know, the first round on Thursday night was kind of crazy watching everybody move up to get one receiver. And so I'm glad the Saints seem to have solved their two biggest holes and then got to run Matthew to solve their third one. So I'm happy. The, the old format would have uh, lent itself really well to crawfish boil. It's like mm-hmm. just hang out all day, peeling crawfish, having a few beers. Yeah, that'd have been great. So yeah, uh, you know, and it's also kind of this is the first draft I think. Hey, don't give me that look. You're the one who said it. Um, we're having a private conversation here, um, but uh, this is the first draft because you know I listened to some Saints podcasts. Now I actually knew some names of what to expect, mm-hmm. but normally it's like you know. Saints selected, man, it's like, yay, you know? Yeah, I mean, unless they played in the conference of your favorite team, right. you know, you probably don't know very much about the guy, but. Uh. So anyway, so that was, that was one thing. Uh, the Pelicans uh, gave it their best, man, they're going to be a good team coming up. Um, but, and not to skip quite over that, but the biggest thing was Jazz Fest is back, baby. And Dave, did you go all three days? Uh, the first one I, I that was my best uh best laid plans were uh, well, same with us they, we had we had all three days but sunday first of all when it rained mm-hmm. and second of all it was like it, man like i said a kick in the pants but anyway so. saturday i got pulled into a kid's birthday party that just like wouldn't end 
like it was supposed to go at about two or three and they got postponed to like five and so i was like i'm like i now my whole day shot i can't i i can't go um so that that stunk but uh the other two days were really fun yeah and i guess uh you know fredo was asking us about the crowds um yeah it was there were a lot of people but it wasn't as insane as i've seen it in the past Mm um i don't know was that your take on it yeah, same. I mean, uh, like originally uh, when we were out at out Friday, I thought, okay, good. The crowd hasn't gotten too huge yet. Uh, this is why I like Friday. Um, and then by the time Sunday rolled around, the the crowd wasn't that much bigger. Though I guess again, the rain might have kept some people away. But um, I don't know. You I know, I, didn't I have seem... no idea if they're limiting the number of tickets that they. I mean, they obviously like ours. Our tickets are from two years ago you know they got rolled over um but i, don't I did know. notice they scaled a few things back um like the children's area had been scaled back to a singular tent that would you know the acts weren't awe-inspiring um and normally they have like a big play area and crafting and all this stuff and it like didn't i didn't see that this year so so um yeah again the the grandstands they're usually at the main stage uh at the back they're gone so it seemed like you had more room to spread out i think i think now that i say it out loud because Brittany and i were both going why are they why'd they take the grandstands out but i mean there's a lot there was a lot more open space that you could just you weren't shoulder to shoulder if you wanted to be shoulder to shoulder you could um the surprise oh go ahead fredo no, I was just going to ask you right quick because I had a, a couple of friends, uh, Arsenal friends, who came in from out of town and they went to every day of the weekend and actually met up with them on Sunday. And they're like, it was the first time for one of them and they hadn't eaten, they were like eating everything under the sun. So they're like, it should be called the New Orleans Food Festival and we got some music on top of it. Yeah. So <laughs> that's their words. Uh, how were the prices for all the food items, all the you know, big stuff that everyone wants to get? It seemed the same. Normal thing? It's okay. Same okay. overpriced stuff. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will say, because um, Saturday I got the Cochon Delay Po' Boy, which is, I, lo- I love that one. Um, oh, yeah. But um, there's a there's a stand um, that I, I think this is the best deal. It, it's And it's not the best of either of these dishes, but for 11 bucks you get, you know, two piece chicken and two big scoops of jambalaya. Mm -hmm. And it's like I said, that's uh, it's like, seems like a great deal because that's a lot of food. Um, My Mm -hmm. our favorite moment though, was as I was waiting in line for my, my chicken and jambalaya, some guy came up and leaned into the lady and said, and this is one of those, tell me you're, you're not from New Orleans without saying I'm not from New Orleans. He leaned in and he said, does your jambalaya have beans in it? (laughs) <laughs> and the, the the look on everybody's face and the, like the lady just went like no and he's like all right it's like and i just wanted to i just want to say dude who's been torturing you with putting beans in your jambalaya <laughs> now we all kind of talked mm-hmm. after he left it's like maybe he was thinking red beans and rice that's what i was gonna say it's like did somebody serve red beans and said jambalaya i don't know you know it sound like it he was probably you know i you probably I, I gotta sliding say, around in horse crap the next day after it rained, <laughs> but anyway. The, uh, 
I had multiple mango freezes. They're still as delightful as ever. Um, the crawfish bread seems to be shriveling in size. Like it just gets a little smaller every year, and I think like that's how they're battling inflation. But uh, all in all, I can't really complain about the food. We even hit the raw, raw oyster bar in the grandstand, which um, wow, that's a little hidden gem. You like duck back in where they where they keep the horses. And uh, they had a lanyap stage back there and an yep. oyster bar. That was good stuff. Um, yeah, so we, this is we're not here to talk about all the acts of Jazz Fest, but I will say I was, I was skeptical about going to see The Who. And um, after, you know, and they come out on stage, you know, Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey looking like 76, 77 years old walking out on stage. And they opened up with Who Are You? And there's that moment where you know everything kind of has died down and then roger dolce comes in with this yeah shot in the light of day in a house filled with people that's cold-blooded erasure it's as cold as ice and he hit that and i went <laughs> oh okay and everybody just went nuts it's like he saved he saved that up all day long to be able to hit that and i got a couple pete townsend windmill so i was like i'm good but come to find out pete townsend played uh banjo at preservation hall that night oh yeah i heard about that after the it's fact like, too it's like i would have skipped jazz fest if i would have known that's going on that's what i would like to see that but it's that, really you never it, know how to know that it's hard to be connected. Yeah. It, like those are the kinds of concerts that always happen, but you can't know when or where, unless you're just really plugged in. And at and 49 so, years old, I can't go to jazz fest all day and then down to the quarter for, you know, the evening times. It's like old man, Aaron needs a nap. Good news, everyone. I'm in terrible pain. But anyway. <laughs> That's, uh, that is one of the that's one of the highlights of jazz is, is afterwards you'll have you know Elvis Costello jump on a stage here or even somebody like Elton John just get on somebody's set for just a couple of songs yeah. say it was there and then he'll be gone. So yeah, so Jazz Fest is going on. So that well, you know, like I said, we're not here to talk all about that, but it's kind of nice to to have it back. Um, and I uh, hope whatever crud I have is done. It's not COVID, so that's hooray. Um, just hope it's gone by uh, Friday because we're going back to Jazz Fest again. Um, but tomorrow, even better tomorrow, as we record this on a Tuesday, May 3rd, tomorrow is Star Wars Day. It Woo! is May the 4th. Merchandising, merchandising. <laughs> and you know what? And I and I never get in on the merchandising stuff of it. It's just kind of fun to be just the nerdy, like, it's Star Wars Day. And everybody goes, why is it Star Wars Day? May the 4th. And then they're like, what? And you're like, if you don't know, you don't know. But, you know, the rest of us are like, hooray. Um, but do you guys buy into then what comes later? The Revenge of the Fifth? Fifth. I, I don't, I've never liked that. I've just like, maybe that's the, I'm an old, uh, I'm an original trilogy guy, you know? So, um, but it's also, you know, Star Wars Day. Uh, it just encompasses everybody, but. I don't know. I don't like the it's, Revenge of the Fifth. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind it, but at the same time, I, I really, uh, I've come to appreciate Star Wars Day, May the Fourth. Just the idea of hey, there's gonna be a day every year we're gonna just celebrate this silly thing that we're all fans of, and um, 
it just it's a good way. I mean, you get a lot of people costuming, a lot of people posting stuff. So it's a good way to kind of, you know, kind of remind everybody, hey, look, you got into this because you like this and connected with yeah. you and kind of keep going. Wear, wear your favorite Star Wars shirt or tie or whatever and be a nerd yeah. all day more so than normal. Um, so in honor of that, I've got some uh, May the 4th uh, trivia here from the Washington Post. So... Um, so, all right. So, Dave, to you. First of all, true or false, R2-D2 is played by an actor in a metal costume. That's true. A, that's a loaded question because not always. But, yes, that's right. It's Kenny Baker. And I have um, an R2-D2 action figure autographed by Kenny Baker. Met right. him in Omaha, actually. Um, much of the, Fredo, to you. Much of The Force Awakens takes place on Ray's home planet. Filmmaker shot scenes in the Ruba Kali Desert near Abu Dhabi, capital of the United Arab Emirates. What is the name of this desert planet? Is it Tatooine, Hosnian Prime, Dantooine, or Jakku? It's Jakku. Yeah, come on. These are softballs. All right. To me, aside from the May the 4th be with you, I'm sorry, May the Force be with you, one line appears in Star Wars film more than any other. What is it? It's a trap. I find your lack of faith disturbing. I have a bad feeling about this or do or do not. There is no try. It's I have a bad feeling about this. And Dave, to you, what does a back to tank do? Does it help Yoda travel through the swamps of Dagobah? Does it gun down enemy soldiers? Does it store blue milk, the finest beverage in the galaxy? Or does it help an injured person recover from their wounds? Help an injured person recover from their wounds. That's right. Luke is in a back to tank in diapers in Empire Strikes Back. All right, Fredo. In The Phantom Menace, Qui-Gon Jinn teaches young Anakin Skywalker about a special organism that lives inside all cells and connects people with the Force. What are these wee beasties called? Yes, it says wee beasties. We midichlorians yep it is midichlorians not even going to give we're not going to make these multiple choice anymore all right to me who is supreme leader of the first order this is also kind of a loaded question is it kylo ren armitage hux snoke or leia organa well i can rule out one of those actually rule out two no because hux is actually kind of supreme leader for a second until kylo chokes him down um I mean, I'm going to go with the obvious Snoke, but this is this is like a tri- this is like you know a trivia debacle where I would have been. Yeah, this is the uh, Kyber kind of Crystal question right. again. All right, so Dave, what is the name of the language most often spoken in the Star Wars movies? Is it Rodiz, Binary, Galactic Basic, or Hatties? This is kind of a tough one. Galactic Binary. Well, it's, or, it's binary no, yeah, or I, galactic I, basic. Yeah I, yeah, I put them together. It's binary, and then what's the other one? Galactic basic. Galactic basic. That's the one I'm going to go with. That is correct. Yeah. I mean, people would have jumped on the Hatties train there, but not everybody speaks Hatties. <laughs> All right. Uh, Fredo, George Lucas originally wanted what animal to play the beloved Yoda? A monkey, an owl, a cat, or a dog? Hmm. That, that, okay, that one... Yeah, these get tougher fun. as we go, huh? We got cocky. Yeah, uh, let's go with, I'm going to go with uh, monkey. 
it is. He originally wanted a monkey wearing a mask to play Yoda. I'm glad cooler heads prevailed. <laughs> All right. Take a pork Mark Hamill. To me, Obi-Wan Kenobi famously rides the fictional, what fictional animal in Revenge of the Sith as he battled against General Grievous on the planet of Utapau? My favorite thing on the planet. Is it a Lugabeast, a Bantha, a Cadu, or a, Vera, a Veractal? And actually, I don't know necessarily know. I know it's not a Bantha. It's not a Cadu. I'm going to say Lugabeast. Oh, no. A Veractal. Did you know it was a Veractal? Not until you listed them off, and then I was able to process elimination. Narrow it down. Right, yeah. You're so smart. Uh, the last one to Dave. These two characters appear in most Star Wars movies. I'm not going to give you choices. <laughs> it's most... not Abbott and Costello. Yeah. C-3PO and R2-D2. Yeah. C-3PO and R2-D2. I kind of like the idea. You know, people have said that those two are like the Greek chorus. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're telling us everything. It's like we really are kind of seeing the story through them. Um but anyway, uh, so cool. All right. Now we're all warmed up. Fredo, let's jump into some news. We got some Star Wars stuff and some Marvel stuff, huh? Yeah, so we'll do the Marvel stuff before uh, I do the Star Wars because that'll kind of lead to a main topic, right? Uh, let's see. So uh, first bit of news uh, that kind of came out over the weekend was that John Watts, who directed all three of the Spider-Man Marvel movies, Homecoming, Far From Home, and No Way Home, was slated to direct the Fantastic Four movie, but he has withdrawn. So according to Deadline, it's an amicable uh, withdrawal from him from the movie. It's He's reporting that he needs the break after making three of the biggest movies that Marvel has made, including arguably what second biggest? I mean... I don't know how much you want to say. I mean, No Way Home is a massive hit. So well, you know, he's been working nonstop on that. So he wants a break. Kevin Smith said that shooting uh, uh, like a comic book movie or a, you know something like it is like or an action movie is like the most tedious thing on the planet because it's like you have to set this one thing up and shoot that and it's just very meticulous and it just drains you. It's not. It's not like Clerks where it's just we're in a you know convenience store and just talking. Um, so I, I can imagine House. that it would be like, rewarding, but just tiring. So, yeah, all I can think of is Ray Harryhausen making his monsters come alive by shooting, move, you know, moving a fraction of an inch, taking a picture, another fraction of an inch, taking a picture. I mean, it's much nicer technology and green screen and a lot of the computers help offset all that. But there's a lot of pressure making these movies because it's, I mean, shoot, their budgets are hundreds of millions of dollars there. So do they know who's going to take over for him or not? Uh, no, uh, no mention yet of who might take it. Uh, let's see. He does have another project coming in through Apple Studios with George Clooney and Brad Fitt that seems more adult-oriented. Uh, no, they, uh, Kevin Feige basically said collaborating with him was a true pleasure. We were looking forward to continuing him, but understand we're optimistic that we'll have the opportunity to work together. Again, at some point down the road, which, you know, at least if nothing else, there's, they're coming at it from the position of, yeah, you give us a decade of your life to make, you know, bring one of our biggest characters into the fold and we're happy with the outcome. So 
go and do whatever, and the door's always open. Fantastic Four has been a tough nut to crack, uh, mm-hmm. movie-wise. Um, every movie version of that story has been borderline disaster, if not outright disaster. So it's a difficult thing to do. I was optimistic about John taking it on because he kind of had that familial vibe going with his Spider-Man stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like now it's like now it's a question really of just like where do you go now? Now who? Fredo, you had a you had an interesting suggestion, right? Well, I was thinking about uh, you know because it, it all depends on kind of how you want to go with it. Because that that's part of that's that's part of the question. It's how would you make this movie, you know? And it's not just my suggestion. A lot of people have kind of thought of, well, the closest, the actual best version of the Fantastic Four we've ever gotten is the Incredibles. Hmm. So why not just get Brad Bird, who did the Incredibles, Ratatouille, but he also directed Mission Impossible Four, uh, Ghost Protocol. So he's already got a background in action. He's already got a background. Hmm in superhero movies and if you watch the incredibles i mean most of it's a family dynamic yeah. with superpowers on top which is what the fantastic four is so, so i guess we'll see yeah yeah uh moving on to from a one story that broke over the weekend to another for marvel uh there was a report over at i'm trying to see uh hmm, giant freaking robot was reporting that Keanu Reeves has been attached to, quote, a secret role for Marvel, end quote. They did not narrow it much as to what property or what character. I totally, it, it suggests... I totally hope that it's Shang-Chi 2 so he can say, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> now, the only thing is they said is that it's set for a film in the MCU. It's not going to be a Marvel uh, TV series. So... You know, you're talking about, you know, they've been after trying to get Keanu Reeves. He's a big enough star. Where would you fit him in? How you fit him in? It's it's an interesting question, but that's the rumor. Well, that's the report, right? So they're not going to Disney plus him. No, well, <laughs> well that's just it. It's, <laughs> well, that's just it. I mean, I mean, like, Keanu has done stuff for like Netflix and what. Well, but my, 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 my point is, and we're, we'll talk about it here when we get to our main topic, when we start talking about Star Wars Celebration, because one of the panels, there's, you know, it now seems like Lucasfilm especially is kind of blurring the lines between what they consider a movie and what they consider a Disney Plus property. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as, because some people say movie and that over here is TV. And I guess I don't really necessarily consider it TV, but it seems, you know, Marvel here is those, there's a, it, it sounds like they're, they are making a distinction of, you know, you know, we're not going to Disney plus him, you know, type of a deal. It sounds like, you know, I don't know. It's just, it may, I'm reading into that way too much. Um, but, uh, but also Keanu Reeves is also getting to be that age where he's going to start playing county fairs. So, you know, it's not, uh, yeah. Well, I guess my question would be, do you think it'll be one role for one movie and then you're gone kind of like, uh, the likes of like Kurt Russell who did ego for one character and then he was off. Or do you think it'll be a character that we might see across multiple movies? 
don't know when you guys yeah. heard this but you guys are the, the marvel nerds when you heard it what was the first uh you know like oh he would do great for this character obviously this has no basis in fact but you're like oh he'd be great for this character you know what was funny like the first thing that went through my mind was uh constantine mm-hmm. because i think he did an interview um uh, some months back when somebody asked him like well which character have you played that you'd like to play again that you haven't had the chance to because the, i think he was asking they were asking him about the matrix mm-hmm. and um and i think he said constantine he was like i'd love to do this again so anybody listening out there um so i was like no. i was like you know that's interesting to me Problem is, Constantine's a DC character. I know, I know, I know, I know. So that's where the whole theory just sort of falls apart. But, um, well, we did, we are introducing the multiverse in, you know, a couple days here. So, or, yeah, Uh, yeah, all bets are off, right? So, all bets are off. Part of me wants to say, like, if this was 25 years ago, he would have been the perfect Namor for that Fantastic Four movie. Oh, yeah, Namor. He would have been excellent for now. I don't necessarily know that he wants to be walking around, you know, bare chested through eighty percent of the movie. <laughs> you know, well, no, he's kind of raised. I don't know. He may, he may be, you know, he may be working Look, out. There are ways around that. There's like, a lot of guys at Jazz Fest who are walking around with no shirt on that they didn't care. So, well, you know. th- those guys are a special breed of <laughs> yeah. cat. Um, they're not. Pro- they're, that image is not being projected onto the biggest screens imaginable across the globe. They're wired a little differently in general, is what I would say. But yeah, um, Namor is a fun idea because, like, we've teased Namor quite a bit, and um, for the uninitiated, who is uh, he's Namor. basically Aquaman in the Marvel universe. So, well, like, not as nice. Yeah, he's little, he's... little more of an adversarial type. Doesn't get along with the poor Wakandans, for example. Well, that, um, that's no, one of the interesting aspects. He gets into. They, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. In Endgame, they were referencing a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of that. They're referencing Atlantis, basically saying there was an earthquake mm-hmm. or whatever off the coast of Africa. Um, mm-hmm. So, hmm. yeah. So that would be a fun possibility, and I'd like that. He wouldn't have to go shirtless. I could redesign the character a little bit, you know. And that's what they do. And, and one of the interesting aspects is the Namor character originated in the 1940s. There's um comic book. I mean, they brought uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby brought him back into the 60s, but they, you know, they're comic books of him and Captain America fighting the Nazis in the 1940s. So if you want to present the idea of a character who's lived a long life and both has connections already established to the MCU as well as, you know, an adversarial position where he's because he's the ruler of Atlantis, he doesn't necessarily he's on anybody's side, but his own people. So he'll go to war with Wakanda. He'll go to war with Doctor Doom at Latveria. He'll, you know, he'll announce himself in New York City, saying the surface world, you know, has polluted my world for the last time, and no, be... I'm, I'm riding on top of a whale to destroy you all, kind of thing. No, so. he, he jumps out of the water and goes, "Whoa!" I know, I'm fool. See, the thing is, the fish guy is always a hard sell, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, they decide, well, we're going to do Aquaman in live action. Everyone's like, really? You're really going to do that? And then they just completely reconceive the character. 
and, and then just did the whole Momoa thing and went all in on that persona and it worked. You know, I thought it worked really well. I liked that movie. So like at this point, it's like, okay, let's go fish guy again, but let's make him distinct from Momoa. You know, like Keanu would, he would be pretty different. He would have a pretty different take. Well, yeah. I guess we'll find out at some point. So, mm-hmm. on to more uh, concrete so, news. Yeah, on to more well, concrete in a way, because what's interesting is this. Uh, in anticipation of Celebration, Disney released their most updated schedule for movie releases that's been out, so the most recent version. You know, the one that has Doctor Strange coming out this Friday and uh, Lightyear coming out in June and Thor coming out the 8th of uh, July. So it lists all the various properties, even if they don't necessarily have a title. What's interesting is when you get to December 22nd, 2023, we get the release date for Rogue Squadron, the Patty Jenkins-directed movie that got announced during the D23 Expo with that nice teaser trailer, uh, that she had exited to go work on Cleopatra, left Cleopatra to come back to work on it. Uh, So far, they're still suggesting, I mean, this does, Disney still expects that a year and a half from now, they are going to have a new Star Wars movie to release. The question mark here is, as the article from Slash Film says, they haven't shot a thing yet. This is not in current active production, so how quickly can they ramp that up to get it going so they can have a movie out on a T on a movie screen for next Christmas? You know, and I, I, I hear what you're saying about that, but I think we often look at timelines within a nineteen eighties paradigm, you know, where it it literally took three years to get a star Wars movie out. Whereas now with technology, especially this one, there's probably going to be a heck of a lot of people flying around X wings. So, um, there's probably not going to be a lot of, you know, you know lo- location, tools. location shooting, you know, it's might be a little bit not as difficult in scope. I don't know. I don't know. I, I but I, but like I said, mm-hmm. I think we look at the, within the paradigm of it takes three years to make a movie. And I don't think it, necessarily does um and because they haven't shot anything i don't even know if if the shooting part is the heavy lifting is the you know it's it's been in production for a while you know so let's just say there was in production they kind of wanted you know ramped it back down when patty jenkins exited now it's back up because she's back My, my only concern there is is we've seen what happens we've seen with the disney what happens when you try to speed run this sucker you get episode now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a fair point. Um, I, I also wonder like how complicit, uh, Lucasfilm is in, in making this thing happen. And on this particular timeline, because I know that they really wanted her for this particular project and it's a passion project for her, but then she just got too busy. And then there were rumors that she was just going to have to pull out completely because it just wasn't going to work out timing wise. Um, at which point she made it work somehow, or they made her make it work somehow. Um, I think she pulled out a Cleopatra. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so now it's just, she's on, she's doing the thing. So, I mean, like on the one hand, 
it's it, it sounds like a cool project and i think she's a great director so i'm excited but to your point aaron it's like well <laughs> is it gonna work out because she's if she's getting stretched thin and she's getting pulled in 20 directions and they're trying to crank this thing out quickly it's that's not necessarily conducive to the best possible product and that's kind of the difficulty because she was committed at one point to three big productions rogue squadron Cleopatra under Warner Brothers and Wonder Woman 3. Now, right now, she's dropped Cleopatra, but she still has Wonder Woman 3 that I'm sure they want to get back out there and Rogue Squadron, which I'm sure they want to get back out there. Both of these studios are looking at their release list. I mean, the fact that Disney's given us a big old list of, you know, you got this Marvel project coming out, and then you got this Disney project coming out. You know, that's the way that these massive corporations think about their slates because they're looking to hit every quarter with a big release and they already got her penciled in for christmas next year and i mean they'll move it but that's a big deal to move well we'll be watching this with great interest oh yes <laughs> so um, speaking of great interest that's yeah we might hear some of it come the end of the month we're gonna we're gonna hear i think we're gonna have a lot of we're either going to have a lot of questions answered or we're going to have no questions answered. Um, <laughs> there's not going to be any gray area because we're talking about star Wars celebration, um, which is happening at the end of May. Um, and uh, let, let's see, it's May. Uh, blah, 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 like 26. 26. 26 and yeah. A couple, a couple days long. Anyway. Um, I've been to a couple of celebrations and the most recent one in Chicago uh, was actually the last one they had um, in 2019. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. um, and this seems to be kind of lined up a little bit similar. Um, there are, uh, there are three big stages and then obviously there are, it's like if you go to any convention, there's several little breakout, you know, there are other things that are going on like little, um, uh, like there's a podcasting stage and there's like, you know, you can learn about star Wars gaming in this other little room and stuff. Um, and of course they have a big exhibit hall, which is way cool. Um, but the three big ones are, you have the celebration stage, which is the Anaheim convention center arena. And it says, uh, it will, will shine with bright stars and original entertainment all weekend long presenting panels on upcoming productions intimate conversations with creators and other live events. Um, so that's the big, we'll call that the main stage, but it's a celebration stage. Um, the galaxy stage uh, is one of the two premier stages for the weekend, along with the celebration stage. Uh, best first looks on the big screen are planned as well as a wide variety of shows featuring a depth and breadth of star Wars universe, catch conversations with masters, celebrity appearances uh, and more. And then you have the Twin Sun stage, uh, which will cover the ins and outs of what's going on into creating the Star Wars universe, hosting guests who make it happen for movies, television, toys. But so you kind of see it's all the big stuff and then cool stuff, not as big. And then, you know, just kind of the, the C list. Um, still, still good content. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to kind of run down the highlights that uh, is on StarWars.com. I mean, just so you can get an idea of the types of things that are at this convention. Because um, there's there's a lot of cool stuff. There's a lot of cool stuff you can do, you know. Um, and by the way, do we know, is this going to be streaming on StarWars.com at all? Any bit they've of it? Done that, they've done that in the past. Done and in I the think past. I didn't know if they did it for Chicago, because I, I was at Chicago. So 
most okay so it might be moot for a lot of people because most of these tickets are sold out right um yeah. and it's a four-day event from thursday to sunday and two of the days are completely sold out the jedi master level which is like the vip level which gives you all this premier access to everything like sell out in an hour yeah that's sold out um i guess there's still a few kids passes well but i mean like um, I said, at least it gives you kind of an idea of if you were to want to go one in the future you know what's going on right but... this whole thing will pretty much sell out so if you decide you want to go at some point maybe this isn't the year because yeah. like most of this stuff's already snatched up but we do um, need to like i said we do need to look in to see if it's going to be streaming because i will well i guess i'll well, dri- that's the I'll big appeal home from Disney. So I'll be streaming it on my phone as Britney drives. But uh... right. I mean, like this is the certain panels have 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 appeared online, like the uh, like the main ones, like the Rise of Skywalker one. That's where they debuted the trailer. But they don't and... actually when they do stream it, they don't show no. like the trailer or any of the footage in the live stream. a couple of days right but well no no actually the, it was like it was like within the hour well that's but no. that, that's what yeah. i'm saying though is that yeah. but stick close to youtube because right. you know you won't see it live streamed but like within an hour it will be up on youtube most likely and i, I mean in a legal way not somebody yeah. filming it with their iphone so as we talk about this over the course of this show and you hear something like oh it's a new property that might have a trailer attached to it if you're watching live, you may not get to see that trailer, but stick around for an hour and you'll get to see it. Now, one of the things to keep in mind also, as we talk about these, it's they're going to be celebrating the, is it the 20th anniversary, 20th anniversary of attack of the clones? Revenge is, uh, yeah. Attack of the clones, attack of the clones. Yeah. 20th 20, anniversary. It's been 20 years since attack of the clones folks. Um, holy cow. World. 25. And 45 since A New Hope. So oh, it is it is the 25th anniversary. It's the 25th anniversary of Attack of the Clones. No, 20th. 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 Okay. 20th. Anyway, yeah. let's start running down some of these. So um, on Thursday, it seems like the big ones they got going on. Um, this is the one I think is going to be most interesting. Uh, Lucasfilm Studio Showcase. Um so Star Wars Celebration Returns launching with a must-see showcase that will kick the weekend's uh, festivities into hyperdrive. Lucasfilm's current crop of live-action filmmakers will be joined by a special by special guests to d- discuss the many Star Wars adventures coming soon, including Obi-Wan Kenobi, Andor, and The Mandalorian. Hmm. So that's why I said what's interesting. They say filmmakers, and they list oh. off three Disney plus series. But they say surprise guests, but, um, the actors. Yeah. Right. But here, I, the directors and the actors probably. Yeah. I mean, and that's, yeah. I mean, surprise guests. So it's also kind of like, you know, at the smoothie King center when they said, we got some live entertainment coming out and it's like some, you know, obscure, oh, so just, no, just some singer that you never heard of. I mean, but it, so I want Red Panda, it. darn it. But I think, I think in this one, uh, I, I think you're probably this is your best bet is going to see some Andor footage. This mm-hmm. one, that's the one I'm going to be really paying attention to. But hopefully, release date. But hopefully, we'll get some. Maybe there'll be some information on Taika Waititi's project. 
Um, are we going to get any Lando information? The Acolyte. The Acolyte, that's another, actually, that is another big one that is, uh, I've heard rumored. I've not, yeah, but we, and we haven't seen or heard a thing about it so far. Like, it's just been quietly been doing its own thing. So What's that's... interesting is it, it is it kind of leaves open the possibility of future films, but uh, in the description here, but it lists specifically Disney TV Plus. series. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but again, they call it filmmakers, which I find interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, that's cool. I mean, but that's that first Thursday at like 11 a.m. roughly. So, so that's, but is that 11 a.m. Pacific? News. Are all those times specific? Oh, gosh. Because it's in Anaheim. Yeah. I believe it is. Yeah. So I didn't. I might not have to wake up too early. Um, But like I said, I think a lot of cool things will will come out of that. Um, You know, I and actually what's also interesting is I I don't know if they're doing this this year as well. But like in uh, Celebration Chicago, you had to if you wanted to go to this panel, you had to enter a lottery. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully you got a ticket to go into this because they've gotten away from standing in line all night long, which people would do. They would like camp out and I I ain't camping out for anything. Um, so, but, um, they did a lottery system that ticked off a lot of people. Um, but I mean, it's, you know, and like, I didn't get into the main stage for the Mandalorian stuff. I got into the overflow stage and got to watch live stream. So I got to see the footage. I just was not in the same room with John Favreau and Dave Filoni. So whatever. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Um, the other one I find, the next one I find really interesting attack of the chords, the music of episode two <laughs> with David W. Collins. Um, David W. Collins explores the musical connections between the story and the characters breaking down both new and classic themes. Um, you know, and as I've said it many times that I found the, the prequel music kind of, you know, I mean, it was good, but it wasn't as awe inspiring, uh, as the, as the original trilogy to me, but this would be one that would, I would really geek out over because I'd like, I'm sure this guy is going to prove me wrong, you know? And I would, I would learn some stuff. So, um, but I wonder how accessible it's going to be. Well, as you said, I mean, it's because you're going to be blasting music, uh, in an auditorium. Well, hopefully have good sound speakers. No, my, my my point is, and with, I'm going to, I'm going to be a musical nerd here with, you know, Mm -hmm. that star Wars fans like to think that they are big, you know, that they have their like PhDs in, in music because they know the term leitmotif, but they can't, they can't pronounce it correctly, but just because they've read it a gazillion times. But to, when you sit there and actually point out, you know, three notes, that is like the emperor's theme and notice that this is happening on screen. It takes, I mean, you really do have to focus and, and I just wonder how accessible, you know, can the person who doesn't have, a master's degree in music or an undergrad in music, can they get something out of it? And on the flip side of that, will they, you know, is it just going to be, this is a really cool song, you know, and play, yeah. which. Well, to, for, to Fredo's point, the sound quality in the auditorium might matter. <laughs> Cause like, yeah. if, yeah, like if they're, if they're playing snippets of music, people will, will be like, yeah, I'm rocking out to this. I have no idea what this guy's talking about, but I'm mm-hmm. loving this. So. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. But at the same time, you're talking about can you out nerd the nerds? No, <laughs> this might be one instance where you can actually. I will say one of the best one of the best moments in the Attack of the Clones, actually of the best of of the prequel trilogies, a prequel trilogy was when Anakin in the garage and the music that's going on in there. You've mm-hmm. got mm-hmm. snippets of Darth Vader's theme, then you get the or the Emperor's theme is in the background. You get Darth Vader's theme for a second. Um, you know, it's so it's some really cool stuff. Um, so yeah, that one might. I, I hope they they actually live stream that one. But it doesn't. I don't know if that would be one they would live stream. I don't know. They might just because again, it's it's not something. Maybe they'll have you know a smaller audience, so they might be more willing to kind of show it because again, it speaks to more the uh, academic side of movie making. I like the idea of it turning around my opinion, same as you, Aaron. Because yeah. it's like to me, that's the the least successful score of any of the movies. So, so this next one. Um... I think some New Orleans folks are going to be there. Uh, oh, Lucas, yeah. Lucasfilm Publishing, stories from a galaxy far, far away. From adult novels to kids' comics from the time of the High Republic to the rise of the First Order, this is the place to dive deeper into the stories from a galaxy far, far away. Featuring details on new and upcoming titles from Disney, Lucasfilm, Press, Del Rey, Dark Horse, and more. Um, I do know Daniel Jose Older will be there. I think Claudia Gray? I don't She know. is. Because they're going to be on a panel uh, later on that day all about the High Republic. So it's interesting that they're having two different panels discussing publishing efforts. But I think this one specifically all-encompassing. It does all the books. So I'll be interested because that you know there's been a good response to a lot of the Star Wars publishing. Not just the High Republic, but like uh, the Padme Amidala trilogy that came out that just finished this year really well received the Thrawn books which keep getting well received so you know there's a lot of interest in the books and the publishing side of Star Wars and this is a required panel every every time they do the celebration it's like you got a publishing one so yeah and there's usually actually it seems like there's always a special release um and you can generally get a like a signed copy and stuff like that so you know we'll see what what is released um Ian McDermott an audience with the emperor. Um, I am oh, all the good. Sith. <laughs> uh, join Ian McDermott, who portrayed Chancellor and then Emperor Palpatine in all three trilogies of the Skywalker saga for a discussion that is sure to reveal rare insights and behind the scenes stories from the celebrated actor who, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So yep. um, I, I actually love these types of panels where it's an actor just, just telling stories that might be, 50% full of crap, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's, it's always, and it, it really depends on who the, the moderator is as well. Um, like in the past, I mean, a lot of these things they've had Warwick Davis do some of it, but, um, yeah, he's pretty good at it too. He is. He's very good, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I like these types of panels. Um, I hope somebody asked him about lightsaber dueling Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> is no, noteworthy for being his favorite part of the job. <laughs> so, um, the next one, Star Wars Collectibles Update with Lucasfilm's Brian Merton. 
So this might be where we get a little bit of information on the Regal Robot stuff. Mm -hmm. um, That's a uh, but it says, uh, come celebrate with us and find out what's happening firsthand with our favorite Star Wars collectibles. We'll chat about prop replicas, statues, and more, probably with a surprise or two along the way. So, um, yeah, this is be the Aaron is doomed uh, panel. Um, you know, that's actually go through the through the screen there. One of one of my favorite things in the expo hall is the Hasbro booth to go and see all the upcoming action figures and stuff. It's just so cool. And don't they usually have like like rare, you know, celebration specific collectibles that they have? The, the, hand the down shop the shop there? does, yeah. The shop does, and okay. it depends on yeah. I mean, like one time I got um George Lucas in uh X Wing outfit that was at celebration two yeah um this last one i don't think i got anything that they're they're doing the six inch figures and that just meh. And it was phantom medicine it was like me so but yes they do and that that becomes a mess it's like it's like getting into the queue at disney world you have to like you know get on the app and try to get a place in line so that you can then go back to the store this is pre-covid it was just mm -hmm. it was just a mess there's a lot of there's a lot of waiting in line it's a it's a lot like collecting the disney pins that you see people at the parks like where people just go nuts over oh did you got the rare whatever please can can you sell it to me for like triple the price actually the only thing i wanted really at the i got two i got a couple shirts and one was a rise of skywalker shirt and so that was that was mm -hmm. really kind of cool but the other one actually was uh it was Java. It was Java's Palace, but they're all wearing gangster hats. So it's the Chicago, you know, gangsters. That was kind of cool. Uh, but anyway, so the Star Wars collectibles update. Um, that'll be kind of cool. Um, the High Republic for Light and Life. Uh, this is the panel that's happening from three to four on Thursday. Uh, centuries before the Skywalker saga, there was the High Republic. Join moderator in Star Wars, the High Republic show host Christina Ariel along with luminous authors um, Claudia Gray, Justina Ireland, Daniel Jose Older, Kevin Scott, and Charles uh, Sewell, along with Lucasfilm's Jane, a bunch of people from Lucasfilm. Um, they're really still trying to get the High Republic to to stick. And I don't, I mean, it seems well, like, it, it, it seems like that's, uh, I, people who have read it have liked it, but it seems like it's been a tough, push uphill to get to get some you know what out. would solve that is do something live action like the acolyte and isn't that mm -hmm. isn't that sad i mean you'd, mm. you'd like to uh you'd like to think that people would be excited it's like it's like the harry potter books you know people were nuts over those before there was even talk of a movie you kind of like that with a with anything but you're you're right mm you're right it's like you you, you make a high uh, live action high republic thing and yeah people will go flock to the books mm -hmm. look at it in reverse look at the way that moon knight has re had people go back and read his comic books so sometimes it takes that spark like that to kind of get people to go oh this is interesting let me go find out more and, mm -hmm. uh the good thing is you know you know if, if you're trying to catch a glimpse of one of the actors or directors good luck you probably have better luck at celebration catching one of these authors and striking up a conversation, I think. Well, and uh, there's going to be at this panel, there's going to be 
um, all new announcements and reveals from phase two quest of the Jedi. So the next phase in the high Republic series. So we'll see where that story is heading. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so far, anything you guys would be like, yeah, I want to go wait in line for that one. Oh, the biggie, you know, the big yeah. one. Mm-hmm. That one and probably the, uh, the Ian McDermott one, just because again, when you have somebody who's, if you've seen him talk, he's actually quite charming and disarming. So uh, it'd be a fun time. Even if, even if you learn nothing, it'd be a fun time. All right. Well, on Friday, we have the summer of Lego or the summer of Lego star Wars. So join Lego group and Lucasfilm as we celebrate the summer of Lego star Wars uh, panelists from across consumer products, games and animation will highlight the ways fans can enjoy and interact with star Wars from the unique Lego lens. Uh, to me, this would be kind of a meh. I like the game. I like the Lego stuff, but I don't, I don't know if this is like worthy of a whole session. Because people collect them. I mean, because people collect now, them. You make a big deal. Now, yeah, the collecting stuff. We're in, and it, it is, you know, you said earlier, Fredo, merchandising, merchandising, merchandising. There's a panel we're going to get to here soon. Um, like at Chicago, Disney was all was there all up about you know galaxy's edge and you know they were showing off the coke bottles they were you know talking about you know the the food and stuff like that and everybody was kind of like why is that a panel but they they want people they're trying to hawk their wares so Mm -hmm. that's not one i'm going to wait in line for though the lego the summer of lego star wars um Lucasfilm Publishing, Behind the Page. Explore the world of nonfiction, novelty, and behind-the-scenes books for fans of every age. That would be kind of cool. The one that catches my eye, there's behind-the-scenes books. Again, those are my... I'm I'm more of a nonfiction reader anyway, and so that's the kind of thing that I would latch on to. Yeah, like this is where your visual dictionary-type books would, would fall under, and so like I could see like there being a big interest in that but uh yeah particularly because yeah. it, it feels like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff shifted from necessarily publishing to more uh visual like you get behind the scenes featurettes and videos and dvd extras and whatnot so surprising that lucasfilm still making that but hey all right so here's the here's the big one for the day star wars attack of the clones 20th celebration 20th anniversary celebration um all right, so here's that we're going to have to speculate. We know Hayden and Ewan McGregor are going to be there. Mm-hmm. So if they're not part of this panel, it will be kind of dumb. Um, if you're going to bring them in, pay and you know, pay them and like get them talking about this. Um, who else do you think? I guess what, let's just say this: What's the over under on uh, um, Natalie Portman Natalie? walking on the stage? She'd be the big surprise, wouldn't she? Because you already know Ian is there, so you can kind of think, figure, yeah, he'll probably be there. And she's kind of in had... Disney's payroll right now. Yeah, that's the thing with Natalie. It's like she's got a she's got a big movie coming up, you know, in Thor: Love and Thunder. So and not, even though that's not, not, that's not Star Wars, but you know, it's you're still you know it's still the mouse. You figure. Not, um, who else do you think will show up though? So okay, Mar- okay, Mara Morrison. But let let me tell you how the Phantom Menace one went down because I went to the Phantom Menace 20th mm-hmm. anniversary one at uh, um, Chicago. At Chicago, 
and I think we got Anthony Daniels and um, uh, Ahmad Ahmed Best, which Ahmed Best that was awesome, you know, because you know just to see that was his you know welcome people welcomed him back with open arms that was awesome, and then we got like um, a couple of the ILM guys. Doug, Doug, Doug Chang and, uh, and John Noll. Uh, yeah, and yeah so I remember it, that. So it was kind of a, wah, 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 you know, yeah. because it's like you didn't get Liam Neeson, you didn't get Natalie yeah. Portman, you didn't get, you know, Ewan McGregor. It was like, and now welcome to the stage, Doug Chang and John Noll. And it was like, all right. Hayden and Ewan were tough guts for forever. Um, mm-hmm. You know, again, they're currently under contract. I'm sure there are appearances. Well, they're they're going to be are, there signing yeah. autographs. They're there yeah. the weekend that, to do the Obi-Wan Kenobi stuff. That stuff's a given. I feel like tomorrow Morrison will likely be there because, like, he's currently doing Star Wars stuff. That would be cool. Um, um, but, yeah, I mean, like, I guess Ian Natalie would be the – she would be the big get, the, the, Ian the crowd pleaser. There. Ian McDermott is there, but yeah, you're right. If they yeah. could bring in Natalie Portman, that would be that would be huge. Not not to sound disgusting, but I'm gonna say it. Without Natalie Portman, this is a gigantic sausage fest. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, <laughs> and the whole point. Welcome, welcome to Star Wars, Fredo. I mean, <laughs> true, unfortunately, true. Whole... unfortunately, Star Wars does not really pass the Bechtel test too many times. Um, that's my point is this is the one movie where the core of the story is romance so the idea that you're not going to have one of the two star-crossed lovers present I mean don't get me wrong I I expect that Natalie Portman will be there but I'm like 60, 70 no 60, 40, 70, 30 that she'll be there just because she is working for Disney again it's the kind of thing where she can come out for an hour get a standing ovation the fact hang that out with so close, work with the fact that it's so close to hollywood i mean also makes it you know they're probably more easier, likely to so. be there uh, like, know, so. like you're not asking to fly to chicago you're saying get a take a drive anyway that like i said the the phantom menace one was kind of like a, oh, okay yeah that was fun but it was you know yeah. i don't know it was like and now here's it, the here's the sound guy for the beatles you know anyway um let's <laughs> <laughs> move on as i start coughing uh what's the, wait wasn't that alan parsons no he was uh the sound guy for who was it Beatles. i don't know now i i just want to watch get back now again this is no because so, like, I, 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 talk, I was actually talking to some guy at Foberg brewery who um he was the alan parsons was the sound guy for yes well, yes, but I mean, I'm Pink Floyd and a whole bunch of other people, or, but but anyway, that's kind of where you got to start. Well, he was this guy that we met at Foberg Brewery. He was, uh, um, he said he was at like this uh, convention where it was like, um, it was like a, a sound equipment convention type of thing, and the people have these tables where you can, um, you know, get old, you know, speaker parts and stuff like that. And he actually bumped heads with Alan Parsons because they were both going for the same thing. He's like, okay, you can buy it. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Um, all right, well, here we go. Star Wars merchandise sneak peek. Disney Parks and Shop Disney. There you go, kids. We're going to, what I think, are we going to see new, well, I guess, discover a galaxy of merchandise celebrating all things Star Wars. Be among the first to get a sneak peek into what new exclusives are coming to Disney and Lucasfilm. Um, 
So the retractable lightsaber, right? You think that's going to be? You think that's going to be the <laughs> big reveal? I, uh, probably not. No, but oh. like, that, is that the golden goose? Right? Is that like the the ultimate, the holy grail, so to speak? I, you know, I was leaning towards it's probably going to be like, are, are there any other legacy lightsabers that they could announce? You know, mm. um, but um, you know, but that I mean, that merchandise at like they have walls full of holocrons. You know, and it's like how how long until people are like, okay, I'm d- I'm done with the holocrons and the salacious crumbs, you know even which, though I can't wait to see them in a couple weeks. Um, you know which legacy lightsaber might actually like be a big hit, Kanan Jarrus. Yeah, Ezra. You Bridger. know the one that breaks. No, but I'm saying that because we have that. Well, we have an official Ezra Bridger, but a Kanan Jarrus that you could split in two and put back yeah. together. They have the pieces for it. And I think, uh, I mean, you saw the reaction that people had to uh, Cal Kessis's from uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. I think you give people a chance to buy the Canon Jarrah's lightsaber. I think there'll be a line for that. Uh, my one question for that panel, though, do you think we might get a surprise there that nobody was expecting? Like, hey, and you'll get merchandise from the upcoming Ahsoka, the upcoming Lando show. Or do you think they're going to be... Mm-mm. Uh, I think it's probably going, I don't think there's going to be any huge reveals. It's going to be a merchandise refresh coming to galaxy's edge. They're probably going to make the holocrons like we're, we're, we're phasing out the holocron. So it's going to cause this mad exodus for everybody to go buy them up, you know, type of a deal. Um, but anyway, yeah. Okay. So, uh, the rest of these, um, let's just kind of cruise through them a little bit. Uh, Go beyond the spires and virtual reality, making of ILM X Labs, Tales of the Galaxy's Edge. Eh, meh. Um, Hasbro Star Wars panel. I, again, I can't, it's see what Hasbro is going to be series. bringing out. Um, the Black Series. That's the big deal. Everybody's collecting them. From a galaxy far, far away to a Disney park near you, a chronological, chronological journey through Star Wars experiences at Disney Park. See, they're trying to get you to come back to the parks, folks, and maybe go to Star Wars Trail. <laughs> um, 35 years of Star Tours adventures with D23. You're really seeing a... This is more Disney than I have ever seen at... Uh, I mean, of course... Yeah. Uh, that is so they're not a high, but they have to cancel the last two years they they want to get you back let's play star wars a galaxy of tabletop games see so there's all sorts of different panels you can go to um behind the did audio... you guys ever play any of the tabletop stuff no no not for star wars no behind the audiobook making an audio original star wars adventure that'd be kind of interesting those those old audio books but i know that they're in here they're talking more about um like dr afra and tempest runner from the high republic but i don't know if you ever listened to the old audio dramas those are really kind of cool where john lithgow is yoda that's kind of funny um so on saturday you get a conversation with john favreau and dave filoni to talk about what they're going to be so it's called mando plus so this is all the stuff they're working Mm -hmm. on disney plus that'll be interesting to see um, and then you go another um, session with Dave Filoni and Robert Rodriguez and John Favreau and behind the scenes of Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett. Remember that there's actually a Disney gallery 
that is coming out tomorrow on May 4th. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this, it's probably coming out today, May 4th. Um, Disney Gallery Book of Boba Fett, I think, is being released. That'd be Those would be some interesting ones, uh, obviously, to see what's going on with um, coming up with Mando Season 3 and Book of Boba Fett and stuff like that. The Star Wars cosplay competition, those are always fun. <laughs> those uh, There's some really creative people. I mean, I know I'm in the 501st, but there's some people who like will take Stormtrooper armor and then do magical things with it. So it's really kind of cool. Um, Star Wars Hunters, welcome to the greatest show in the galaxy. What is this? On the planet of oh, that's, Vespara. That's that. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, that's that video game that's coming out. That's made by the people who own, uh, is it Farmville? Oh, okay. Yep, they're the ones who make all those free mobile games that, uh, so it's going to be one of those like free to download games like the Marvel Galaxy of Heroes stuff, you know, but it's for Star Wars. This next one, and the alarm has gone off, so we got to wrap this up, but this next one is buried in my opinion um, at, you know, first of all, in the time slot and then in the list of stuff. Um, at 2.30 on Saturday, Tales of the Jedi. This is introducing Tales of the Jedi animated anthology shorts hosted by Amy Ratcliffe with special guest Dave Filoni. So this was that, you know, secret project, secret animated project that's been going on. And they just, it's like I said, kind of buried. Um, so that's kind of interesting. And then you get uh, Doug Chang designing The Mandalorian. Um Marvel, Star Wars comics. I am C-3PO with Anthony Daniels. I will say that if you've seen Anthony Daniels once, you've seen him a thousand times. He has the same shtick. Always entertaining. Really kind of cool. Good stories. Um, and 6.30 show is exactly the same as the 9.30 show. I'm going to I'm gonna hustle <laughs> through. I'm going to get to Sunday here. We're going to get a Bad Batch Season 2 panel. We're going to get a look back at Star Wars Visions, and I bet that they're probably going to talk about maybe Season 2. That would be my guess. Um, the Wonderful World of Wookiees. That old man is mad. Okay. Uh, they're going to have Junas and Carrie Jones who plays Chrysanthemum. So. And then we're going to get uh, a screening of the Siege of Mandalore um, from the Clone Wars Season 7. That whole arc. I can do that in the comfort of my own home. Um, but it's also fun to watch with all your favorite fans. Um, behind the scenes, the creatures of return of the Jedi. That'd be kind of cool. Um, and then the closing ceremony. So I gotta say like the first two things occurring on Sunday, the bad batch season two, which like nobody's been talking about really no. since they announced it. They were like, "Well, Bad Batch season one's over, but season two is coming soon." Um, and then we haven't really seen anything about it since then. And so it's, I think it's flown under the radar for some people, especially with all the live action stuff out there. So like, I'm really interested in that. And I, I also feel like when you when you mentioned visions, there's a likelihood that you're going to get some sneak peek type stuff at this uh, at the next season of that or a confirmation um, at least that there is a next season because i think we just yeah. have been it's just rumors from what we understand right that it's been announced but it hasn't been like officially oh my god <laughs> this is what you're gonna expect kind of like when we got the season one trailer for vision so now by the way i have one question because we asked about natalie Portman. here's the other person do you think george lucas makes any kind of appearance no, no. okay 
he, you know, for the Phantom the Menace, for the Phantom Menace, they they had him like he did a selfie, you know, FaceTime type recording that like obviously had to have two takes. Um, <laughs> no, George Lucas ain't going to be there. Um, he was there, you know, for the 40th anniversary of Star Wars, and that was a, I mean, that was understandable. But mm-hmm. no, this it's it's not his game anymore. This is all other filmmakers. So, and I, I don't okay. really think I think they also run now, the risk of him forty-five. We're at forty-five for a New Hope, right, Fredo? I yes. think you mentioned that earlier, and yes. well, it's interesting yes. to me. Like they don't even like mention that in any of this schedule at all. There's no kind of forty-five years for well, a New but Hope. They, they want people to buy into the new stuff that they're doing. I think if right. when the New Hope reaches fifty, if George Lucas is still alive, they'll they'll have something for the fiftieth. But it's like, I mean, um, yeah, I no, I don't I, that. Like I said, you run okay. the risk of him like shooting his mouth off and complaining about something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because oh, kids. <laughs> well, here's my, my original script for the sequel trilogy, which, which gets back to you know oh. me wanting to see. Pete would I'd rather see Pete Townsend in Preservation Hall than with the Who on Jazz Fest stage. I would rather see George Lucas like lose his cool on stage and start rambling like old man George Lucas than about anything. I think that'd be fun. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's celebration. Um, so if it, let me ask you guys, final question: If it was you know affordable, because I mean there's there's lodging and you know lodging considerations and travel considerations and there if there wasn't covid and stuff like this is that sound like something that you would have an enjoyable weekend i think so i think i'd love to i'd love to do it at least once because you know usually you know when you do conventions it's it's a lot of the stuff that goes around the big events that kind of makes it like like i said the exhibit hall all the other panels running until the people in council it's it's the experience more than anything. Well, they do have a podcasting stage, so maybe we could uh, audition for a, a slot. You know, I like that. Yeah. That's, that's... Where is Celebration next year? Do you know or next? Oh, time, I, have no, I have no idea. I have no idea. Okay, so I haven't announced anything yet. I guess I have a feeling that they're going to be bouncing back and forth between Anaheim and um, Orlando. Europe. Because, well, and there will be some in Europe as well, but they're going to be bouncing where they have their Disney parks so people can go and spend more money at the mouse. I mean, not to be cynical mm-hmm. about it, but, you know, that's probably what they're probably not going to go back to Chicago in right, April when it was snowing. You know, it's, uh, even though I liked it, but yeah, so. Well, all right. Guess, you know, the other thing I'll say too, I'm with Fredo. I'm, it's on the bucket list. Uh, this particular iteration of it, I'd be fine with it. Um, if I had decided this is the year I'm going, I wouldn't be disappointed with this lineup. Um, and just for the record, it's $75 a day, basically. And unless you get the Jedi package, which is like let's, $900. Let's, for the let's whole remind weekend. everybody what is, what is Jazz Fest a day? Is that 85? 90. No, it's 90? 90 a day. Okay. 90 a day, except for locals Thursday, which is 50. So, right. I mean, so I mean, if you look yeah. at it, if you look at it that way, um, you, yeah, you're probably, I don't know, but, um, yeah, other than the travel costs, you know, and the, that, that the kind lodging. of stuff that goes into it. Yeah. But, um, 
We could do a Who Dat Jedi ahead. road trip. We could do a Who Dat Jedi road trip, and you know, like, or better yet, convince Lucasfilms to do a celebration in New Orleans. Yeah. I'll throw Come another. On. I'll throw another fanboys reference in this week. You get the van from fanboys and 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 drive cross country. There you go. Find some guy to give you peyote. All right. Well, with that, we will say, who dat? Who dat? Everybody have a great week. My monkey.